Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. My job is driving me crazy. Sorry. Do you hate your job or does your job hate you? Sorry. Sorry. I can't find the answer to the question I heard. My career crisis. Job interviews. What a nightmare. I've never in my life actually got a job from going for an interview. I've often ended up doing the work as a freelancer and usually better than the person who got the job in the end... And it's because my interview skills are just so appalling. I usually try and play the clown. So I try and play for laughs instead of actually just trying to sell myself, which is, of course, what you need to do. I also cried once in an interview. Yes, not the best way to get the job of your dreams. Oh, and there was a time where I out and out lied about my editing skills when I was trying to get a job on The Archers. And so they sat me down in front of an editing terminal and said, oh, edit these sound effects into uh, this just this little bit of speech. And I literally didn't even know where to click on the screen with the mouse. They called me out on my life all got very embarrassing. I was very young and very, very stupid. I'm Ruth Barnes. Welcome along to My Career Crisis. Uh, let's meet our career guidance expert, Sue Ahern. Hi, Sue. Hello. So, yeah, I know. I'm just shit, basically. Top tips for job interviews. Be yourself. No, Why? it hasn't worked for me. No, no, but I don't think you've been yourself. I think you're trying to be something else. You're trying to be the clown or you're trying to be uber clever. And I just, what is it with women? You know, they they don't believe that what they have is enough so they try and hype it up or they try and you know do other things to convince people I mean first of all I think you've been before we get to the interview you've got to think about your preparation for the interview but also um, not putting all your eggs in one basket there's loads of research to show that women apply for jobs that are really sort of like 90% right and um, they hype themselves up so there's a lot more riding on the interview Men are more likely to apply for jobs that are 50% right, but that will give them the skills to go on to get the job that they really want. So I think that we we mustn't be so exclusive in what we're trying to do. My career crisis. Imagine going to a job interview and being advised, oh, and don't tell people you've got cerebral palsy. And wondering how the hell you hide the fact that you have a disability. This is just one of the many jaw-dropping experiences our guest today has had. Natasha is 43, a Londoner. She's a production manager for an advertising company. Good job. And yes, she has cerebral palsy. Natasha, welcome to My Career Crisis. It's lovely to have you here. Hello. Did that really happen to you? Yes, it did. Um, Straight out of university, I was getting some work experience from a friend of my father's and she 
uh, is very experienced in business and she writes various columns for various uh, financial newspapers, let's put it that way. And so I went up to her house in Oxford and had uh, like a week of work experience with her, drove up every day from London. And this was back in the 90s, so attitudes were slightly different. But I remember saying, well, you know, if I'm going for a... It was my first job, so I was looking at PA jobs, whatever was going, to get myself into a company that I really wanted to be in, um, get my foot in the door. And she had said, well, what are your typing skills? And I said, well, I only type with one hand. So really, it's 30 words a minute. But, you know, I can do other stuff as well. Not all going to be typing. I've got great kind of communication skills. I've got great organisational skills. So it'll be fine. But she kind of said... In the interview, just don't mention that you have cerebral palsy. Just say that you, you know, you can only type with one hand. And I kind of looked at her, and at the time, and with a lot less self-confidence than I have now because I was in my twenties, I kind of thought, yes, that's probably the best way to do it because I really wanted a job. So I was willing to kind of make myself into whatever they wanted me to be out of the desperation of wanting to get a job. So. That's what I did. And even though it was probably obvious to the first person that employed me that I did have um, cerebral palsy, to her, it didn't matter. She was like, actually, you may be my PA, but uh, there's so much more to it than typing. And that ended up not being so much of an issue in that particular interview. And I'd had about three before that. And um, they were all based quite on the on the secretarial aspect of the job. So, no, I can't type 60 words a minute, but... It was just the fact that I had to not be myself to try and get in work in that instance. And then as the years have gone on, you know, those kind of attitudes have changed. They've had to change by law. Um, So, you know. I mean, what's interesting, though, I mean, I think it's interesting that she said to you, don't mention it in the interview, uh, duh, you know. Mm. I wouldn't mention it. Uh, when you're applying for jobs because actually I think it's probably the least interesting thing about you the most important thing when you write a CV is you want to get in front of somebody Mm. because I think once you're in front of somebody you've got a much better chance Mm. they can see you in the round they they, you know what they read off a page really often has very little to do with the person in the flesh Mm. so if the CV if the point of that CV is to get you in front of somebody and I would say this to absolutely anybody, do not put anything in that CV that they could use as a weapon against you, Mm. right? And women are so brilliant at saying, although I don't have any direct experience, you know, like like you said, because I only um, type with one hand, Mm. I've only got, just put, I type at 30 words a minute. Of course. But you have to put all this other stuff and you're you're building a picture which can be used negatively. And Mm. we're talking very much there about your disability, but I think most women do things like Mm. that. They give you reasons why you should not see them Mm. and that should take no part in a CV. No. No. Let's move on then beyond that because you are somebody who has gained, I think, confidence. Mm. I mean, I've only met you in the last few years and you are a super (laughs) confident woman who says what she thinks and doesn't take any shit. 20 years on, yes. 20 years on. (laughs) But what are some of the key moments in those 20 years you think that were sort of turning points for you where you just thought actually wait and hold up buddy you know I think I think it's the attitudes that have changed and my ability to see my skills as they were and to say actually I'm not going to see myself as not being able to do this I'm going to see myself as being able to being able to do this instead so seeing the positives and also having some very nurturing people who actually were actually we don't give a damn and you're really really good at the organizational stuff you're really good at interpersonal you're really good in crisis you're really you're the fixer you sort everything out 
Um, but what I'm finding now is that role is constantly rehashing itself over and over again. And as you get older and as you're in a job longer, you gain more skills. And it's a question of, with my new skills that I have, um, how to implicate them into another job because I've gone as far as I can in my current job really I've been there 12 years we need to actually just back up a bit because you are a production manager now which you've been doing very well for 12 years you've already mentioned I think the skills that make you very good at that job which is interpersonal skills dealing with you know different departments in the in the advertising company that you work for all of that kind of thing and being a great communicator etc etc over the years though you have also broken into writing so you've Mm. written a bit for Mm. the music website The Quietus Mm -hmm. um, which you did through you know sheer sort of tenacity and hassling and you did really well and they they have published you which is yeah. great because they yeah. do not publish just anyone at all they are amazing so they're I'm impressed nice. that you've done that no no they they're are also they're good awesome. editors you do yeah. it again yeah. exactly see, see. <laughs> instead of going yeah I'm really good yeah, just you know, say, you it, yeah. thank you Ruth that was yeah. really nice of you to say absolutely I noted that yeah Absolutely. It's true, though. We're all so bad at that, Sue. My goodness. We need a little Sue on our shoulders going, yeah, like, stop just, putting just yourself take down. It, yeah, absolutely. Take the compliment and say, yes, thank you. Yeah. Um, so it's it's about kind of rounding it up now at the age of 43 and thinking, where do I go next? But also, mm. I, I imagine you have feelings of kind of <gasps> taking it to the next level is going mm. to be exhausting. It's going mm. to take a lot of you know a lot of time and energy and probably hassle because you're in a good job they're good to you yeah you, you know they're, they're good not people. challenging it's anymore. not challenging so how yeah. do you how do you move ahead without just feeling completely exhausted and by without, the whole process and without taking a huge pay cut as well mm. and that's that was one of my issues was that I'm a, on a as lots of women in London these days I live on my own I'm on a single income um, I don't have any family in the country so all financial stuff is is on me which is the choice that I've made I don't regret it but when people say oh you should just make the leap and go and do something I'm like I appreciate that and I applaud people that can do that but when you're on a single income and you can't necessarily afford to take that pay cut for the more creative job that you would love that's constantly my dilemma Mm. is I'd much rather be doing a more creative spontaneous job but I can't necessarily afford to take the pay cut that would not always come with it. But looking around, I've noticed. A friend of mine actually said to me the other day, she said, well, what's the, what's the lowest income you can be on while surviving? And I'll have a look for you. And I went, what? <laughs> I was like, but I quite like, I mean, you know, I could survive on less, but why, why, why should, should I? Why should I? You know? And that's the big issue because there's this, and the only person who can answer this is you. Mm. Just having you know brief acquaintance with you, I I think you would be your skills are transferable. I think you know uh, your interview skills would probably be very good as long as they're a bit focused. Mm-hmm. So, but but what you're talking about is doing something completely different, which is maybe moving more into the creative role, and with that comes risk. With that comes perhaps taking a less salary, mm-hmm. a, a smaller salary. Um, and for me, you say your job isn't challenging. Do you know there's a lot to be said for not having a challenging job? People really <laughs> look at gift horse in them. <laughs> you know, coming into a job where there is very little stress because yeah. you know what I you're doing. Every night, yeah. you know every. God, how many people would like that bottled? Yeah, you know, I um, know. I know. So you, so, and and often what we do is we look at the things that a job doesn't give us and not the things that a job does give us. Mm. And from what Ruth says as well, you've got a real sort of um, 
good hinterland outside your job, which is your writing. You mm. are being creative. You're just not earning your living from it. No. And, it, and I think you're so right to say, why should I take a pay cut? Mm. It's really nice not to have to worry about the gas bill. Mm. It's really nice to think, I'd like to go to the Paris for the weekend. Yeah, exactly. And, and not really be worried about it. And, and I think we're under a lot of pressure. We've got to have this most fulfilling job. Well, actually, your job is fulfilling because you do it really well. And, okay, it's not challenging, but you sleep at night. Mm. And I'm not trying to take, get you to take less. It's just I think you're really aware of the risks of giving up something mm. like this, that you've worked for 20 years to get into this position, mm. and you're really concerned about giving it up. I think that's such a, a good place to be. Mm. Really? Don't okay. do it lightly. No, I won't do it lightly. I just know that the job that I do, I work predominantly on my own. I don't have a team or anything. You said to me that you don't like people, Natasha. You said those words. Mm. Come on. I, I'm not a, like I work with creative and sales and operations and directors and I can move within all those people. But what I find is my outside job of working with more creative people and people that I actually want to work with because that's my choice. We all have to be in a job where sometimes we don't get on with people and I can do that fine. That's not a problem. Um, but I'm finding after 12 years of doing the same thing for 12 years, there's nowhere for me to go in the company. There's no way up unless I get demoted, which I don't want to do. You know, there's nowhere. So I've been doing this plateau 12 years Mm, and I think my my brain is suffering from a lack of stimulation my brain is is suffering from a lack of social interaction with people that actually stimulate me as well do you know what I mean and Mm. I think at some point I'm gonna have to do something to get out of that as much as I appreciate what I have it will drive me nuts at some point is there a sidestep to be made before making a forward step? Because maybe after 12 years in this very stable, very good job, it is kind of, it's a scary thing to take a leap. But is there a sidestep maybe? Well, I think you've just got to be really clear about um, what you're offering. Mm. And um, I often try to get people, uh, women particularly, to think of themselves as a product. Mm. So, right, if I was going to buy you, mm. what would I be buying? And and the other good thing about trying to think of yourself as a product as well is it sort of um, makes it a bit more, a bit less subjective because so I'm going in, so I'm freelance. So I go in and what I'm not offering them Sue Ahern, I'm offering them, this is what I do, right? Here it is, it's different from me. Mm. And they take it or they don't take it. If they take it, that's wonderful. If they don't take it, I don't then think they've re- rejected me. Mm. I think they've rejected that bundle of skills and experience that I've got. Mm. And that's fine. I don't sue everybody. That's that's absolutely fine. Mm. But I think, you know, so you've got obvious skills and it would be good to just sort of write down what those skills are, see how transferable they are mm. so that you could, I mean, maybe a change is as good as a rest mm. so that you go to another company where it's more challenging, where you have to get to know those people again, maybe working in a more creative environment. But, but what we can do develop here is a checklist of things which say I do want I don't want Mm. right so um, I mean Ruth was joking about you not liking working with other people Mm. but I mean things like that are actually quite important so Mm. if you're stuck in a busy office where there's no headspace Mm. and there's no quiet would that suit you well you see a lot of places are like that Mm. a lot lot of places Mm. like that you said you wanted to work with more creative people creative people can be 
so frustrating. I work with them a lot. <laughs> I was just thinking mm-hmm. assholes actually. Yeah, well, Sue, but it's like herding cats. Yeah, a lot, yeah. a lot of the time, right? Yeah. So it, we have this idea of nirvana in our in our head, but we have to be really cold and calculating about it. So mm. things about your job that you, re- you your own job at the moment that you really like. So d- do you have your own office? No, I work open plan office on a small team of four, and then the sales team are over there. So they shout at me across the office, and I've got the operation people coming in, and the directors all have their own offices. But like you said, there's no headspace. And I think when I say I'm not a people person, maybe I'm not just a type of people person. <laughs> I think it comes down to having worked with sales for 12 years and and working with creative people. Yes, they can be very difficult because I work with the creative people that, that deal with our campaigns, mostly over the phone, actually. Um, so if there's any issues with artwork or whatever, I'm the person to kind of sort that out and keep them sweet. And I'm, I'm good at that. I don't mind that so much. It's the... It's that kind of quite bullshy, salesy kind of attitude. Mm. And I worked with that at The Economist. I worked with that at um, Euro Money. And um, maybe I shouldn't mention the names. Um, maybe do that again. Just say, I've worked with people like that before in other jobs. Or yeah. Something. And I've worked with people like that in, in previous jobs. And I think I'm up to my kilter in, in with but, sales. So maybe people. what you're saying is, right, it's definitely not got to be a sales job. So that's another little box that we've ticked. Yeah. yeah. Um, also, you've been very articulate about the fact that you need to earn a certain amount of money. Now, I, I think that that's really good. Um, I've seen jobs. I mean, I'm unemployable now, so I don't even know why I'm saying this. But <laughs> I've seen jobs. I thought, oh, that, that's really interesting. And mm. I've looked at the salary and I thought, no, I am not prepared to work for that. And I mm. think that that's actually, you know, women are famous for saying, yeah, well, I suppose I could manage. Yeah. Forget it. Yeah. You know, especially as you say, you, you're the only one looking after you. Yeah. So having that sort of um, floor, which says, right, if it's anything below that, I don't care how sexy that job mm. is, I can't do it. No. I think is is, is really good, really, okay, really good. realistic. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Good. 
Let's hear from someone else about their career crisis. And Natasha, we'll get your thoughts on this as well. Why not? Here we go. I love my job. It's the next step in my career path. It's challenging and interesting. I'm learning something new every day and I'm recognised and esteemed for my smart decisions. At the same time, it's absolute hell because of my manager. Uh, she's so aggressive. It's difficult for all 22 people in the office. She's moody, unpredictable. It's so frustrating. One day, everything's great. The next, she has a bad week. And when she enters the office, the temperature drops. We've all worked for someone like this. Oh, My yeah. goodness, I have as well. Mm. Um, anyway, th there's a lot of detail here about her, you know, criticizing her when she does, you know, mocking work in front of the whole, everyone in the office. This person sounds like an absolute nightmare. Um, and uh, the problem is, I believe my CEO loves her for some reason. We've never asked to give feedback on her work. We are never asked to give feedback on her work. I have absolutely no idea what to do. Today I couldn't stop crying after a particularly difficult week. It's a very demanding job, very high stress. I love it, and yet I feel I can't continue like this for very long. The job itself is um, very interesting, and it's interesting the words that she uses, which is, I'm learning a lot, so it's a developmental thing, so it doesn't have to be the rest of her life. Okay, I think it's appalling when you get somebody like this. And, you know, I can be self-righteous and I can say, you have to go and say something about her, you go and talk to HR, but we all know where that's going to end, right? And I prefer trying to live in the real world. First of all, just a simple thing on when you receive criticism. Um, if she's very aggressive in her criticism, there are some techniques that you can use to um, improve that situation. So, for example, you have no control over who gives you criticism, how they give it to you or why they give it to you. The only control you have is on how you react to it. So the way to react to criticism is, first of all, to prove that you've actually heard it. So let me think of great pieces of feedback I've been given. This is a deeply ironic statement like this is crap. Do it again. <laughs> um, now, the problem with that is I it's neither use nor ornament to anybody because it doesn't actually tell you what you've done wrong. But um, it, it, it pokes you. It makes you feel uh, sad. It makes you feel angry. You mustn't react like that. So the first thing that you do is repeat back the critic's words using the exact words, no sarcasm, please. So you said there, obviously that's a bit disappointing, but you said there that it's crap. Could you just give me an example of what you mean? And what you actually do is you push the onus back onto the other person. Now, you must be careful not to be sarcastic or it doesn't work. And the way that to look at it is this person really cannot give feedback. It's a failing. But that doesn't mean to say that I have to collude with that and get upset about it. And she might have a point, God forbid. There might be something that she's saying that I need to listen to. If she's just doing it to wind me up, this technique actually um, stops people doing that because there's nothing in, in it for them because you haven't been wound up. So that's a little small step to try and bring back some um, self-respect in the situation. But if this is continuing, what I would be doing is learn as much as you can and get out. Go somewhere else. Yeah. That might sound defeatist, but life is too short. She's not going anywhere. They That's like what her. I was just going to say. They She's like not going her. anywhere. Then you've got to move on. Natasha, have you ever been, have you ever worked under someone like that? Yes, I have. And it was a female boss um, probably about 14 years ago. And I was in the job for about a year. Um, and at the time, because it was I was younger and less confident, I didn't really do anything about it at the time. I kind of sat there and, and took, it. took it. And then after a year went... I'm done now, I've learned all I can learn, so I'm out of here. Well I'm so out of here. Um, because I didn't think at the time it was going to be beneficial to confront her because 
she was quite an emotional person. But I think in retrospect, I do think, well, there are reasons why everybody behaves like that at work. Mm. So I'm always, I'm quite good with difficult people in the workplace because I tend to find their soft, like soft bit and kind of like work on that because everyone yeah because everyone's got no one is at work people tend to be quite different from how they are outside of work not always but you know you try and find the part of them that 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 exists outside of work so everybody's got a, a a nice part to them so you try and if you have to work with the person and you have no choice then you try and work out you know what are the bits of them that enjoys something and you try and focus on trying to find something similar between the two of you instead of always focusing on the things that are causing friction so you find something that you talk about which you both have a similar interest in you just have to try and find that part of that person and it makes life a little bit easier absolutely but I I do think you mustn't just take criticism lying down Mm -hmm. but the problem is Mm. if you react emotionally so someone says to you this is crap do it again and you go what do you mean it's crap Mm. then people can say you're not very good at taking criticism are you and Mm. what happens is everything becomes about you and not about the person who's done it in the first place and you don't learn anything no one learns anything it just becomes a big massive horrible misunderstanding Um, well thanks very much Uh, if you'd like to get in touch with my career crisis please do at my career crisis on twitter uh, or find us at mycareercrisis.com and let us know how you're doing um, or if any of this resonates with you as well I think we'd really like to know mm. that too mm. um, Natasha you um, I know you've had some you have had difficulties in the job that you're in um, in terms of you had an incident on the stairs in the building yeah um, do you want yeah. to quickly tell us about what happened there because well, I think it, it leads into quite another interesting point yeah about your... it, it's just about um, adaptability of uh, disabled people in the workplace and you know, I'd always been brought up to just kind of normalise myself as much as possible, which was part of the insecurities that I had in my 20s. I was like, adapt to everyone else, adapt to everyone else. And then I had a fall um, at the steps down the in the main reception area. No one's fault, apart from actually the building managers, who I won't mention, um, because I'd been walking down these steps and there was no rail. And it was just one of my bad wobbly days. And I fell down the steps and I ended up in hospital. Um, but the way the whole thing was dealt with was very, very bad as far as I then had to sue the building managers because they didn't put a rail up for me. And looking at the laws, there should have been... I mean, just stuff where, you know, and I, I'm not in a wheelchair and I remember one of the chaps from one of the other companies in the building, uh, they hadn't managed to open the shutter doors that morning, so the chap in the wheelchair was left outside mm. of the office building and his and his work colleagues had to come downstairs and carry him up the stairs to to the office now that may not seem like a big deal to to most people but the humiliation mm. that that must entail because he shouldn't have to do that it should be and i think that a lot of people take for granted that businesses and offices and and companies are adaptable and you know i and it's only recently that people have kind of said oh do you have you know voice recognition i'm like believe me voice recognition is worse than my typing i can tell you that now i've tried it it's terrible even the really good stuff so i'm much better with my 30 words a minute but so there are many many things you can do but i realized there's so little information out there like i recently got access to work whereas the government will actually pay for disabled people to get into work to keep them in work so they pay their taxes so they contribute to society instead you know because regardless of what people other people may think a lot of disabled people in fact most disabled people want to be in work you know so there are government schemes and there is so much help out there 
but no one knows about them. So that's another blog I have to write about. I think it is. But then how much of a how much of a campaigner and a fighter are you for other people when you just need to focus on yourself, right? Thank you. That's one of my flaws. But I I would say, I mean, uh, now when you look at the the legislation that's in place to protect uh, disabled people, not even protect them, but but to Mm -hmm. enable them to be the same as anybody else, Mm -hmm. the legislation's never been as good as it is now. But I think you're quite right that, first of all, um, I mean, most of the companies that I work with with because they're very aware of their public persona Mm. are very uh, fussy about this they make sure I mean if you want to build a new building now with a local authority unless you can show on the plans that there's disabled access everywhere you're not allowed to do it Um, the problem is older buildings of course course, Um, course. but I I think most companies would would you know if they've got a good HR department will think no this is something that's actually quite important Mm. if you employ somebody there's access to work which is fantastic but Mm. as you say not very well publicized Mm. if you employ somebody also um, basically you give a disabled person the same interview you would give it with anybody else and then you have you can ask about the nature of the disability Mm. because companies are expected to make what's called a reasonable adjustment Mm -hmm. so if they needed voice recognition software or if they needed uh, access or anything like that then the company has an open discussion about that to enable you to come in Um, in my experience, most disabled people, as long as you've d- done a proper job description, do not apply for jobs that they can't uh, they can't do. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. a, a, as opposed to able-bodied people who might take a punt, mm-hmm. I think a lot of disabled people would think, no, that actually precludes me because yeah. physically I can't I can't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that means that companies have got to get their act together and actually be very clear about what they want in the first place. Yeah. And and as I said, in terms of your um, project management skills I mean you've got a lot of experience as far as that's concerned your bis- disability if I was interviewing would probably be the least important thing yes about you. and it should be yeah, yeah. absolutely but yeah. I'm sure if there was a job when you read the job description and you thought no that's actually going to put me put me in a difficult situation I don't think I could do that to the best of my ability yeah. I'm sure you probably wouldn't even apply for it no I probably wouldn't but there's also the assumption that if you have something like cerebral palsy and again I'm only speaking for myself but I have heard from other people with cerebral palsy that if it's a neurological condition which cerebral palsy is uh, people make assumptions about your intelligence and assumptions that you are not quite up to speed and obviously cerebral palsy affects every single person differently there is, we are all different so I only have mine on my left hand side people are going to go well if you've got cerebral palsy you must be in a wheelchair I'm not that's just me um, and also some people, you know, there's a wonderful comedian, um, Lawrence Clark, who has got very, very severe cerebral palsy and people always speak to him like a five-year-old, but he's got a PhD in computer science. So there are there are assumptions that, and I, so sometimes I think those assumptions are there in an interview as well about my intelligence and about my ability mentally to do the job, maybe not physically, but definitely mentally. I've definitely had passive-aggressive suggestions of, are you sure you can do that? Are you sure, are you sure, you're right. You know, I've had very patronising mm. kind of comments kind of just slid in there. I still, in many of the interviews that I had, you know, before I got my first proper job, there was still, and it was a long time ago, and things, I'm very glad to say things really have moved on. Um, but I've learned a lot of stuff um, about you know, access in the workplace and about my rights as a disabled person. So, in fact, I spent maybe some of my time educating my employers about what they should be doing, which is a good thing for everyone involved. 
And I keep saying to people, it's not just about me, but how about you have any guests who come to yes. the, the building and they happen to have a disability, you know, and maybe they're in a wheelchair, maybe they're not, maybe they're blind, maybe they're, you know, there's so much going on. And I know it's a minefield because there is so many different disabilities out there and we're all very, very different. And I can't speak for anyone else but myself. Um, but I'm always very aware that it's a kind of the second part of the conversation to us you know it's all and I agree everyone's always asking what you can't do instead of what but you there's can a, there's do. another issue so you've been in your present job 12 years mm. what were you doing have you had any interviews in that period no right because I don't want you to think you the way you've got to think about yourself now is your 12 years of experience later mm-hmm. mm. so of course you're going to be concerned about the issue about disability but actually you're such a more marketable product now you've got 12 mm. years more experience if I'm interviewing you it's on the basis of your CV telling me all those skills and abilities that you've got oh and by the way you also happen to have cerebral palsy that's the way to to look at it okay would they not ask though why haven't you had a another job in 12 years why have you sat in your job for 12 years wouldn't yep. that make me look complacent to no, a certain but they, extent uh, what matters is the narrative you have around it right and I know people, for example, who have no disability but have been in the same um, job for 12 years. And I say exactly the same thing to them, which mm. is, as an employer, I'd be interested why you stayed at 12. I'm not saying mm. it's a bad mark against no, you, no. but I'm really interested. Why have you stayed in the company for the same same amount of time? Because it's mm. unusual now. And um, if they said, um, I've really had no reason to leave because the company's been marvellous. They, in every stage of my of my development, they've given me training. They've improved my wages. They've given me an in more interesting job, so I've been promoted from within. But really now, I think it's time I sort of took a leap, mm-hmm. right? But that makes total sense. Yeah. So exactly. if you look embarrassed, if you think there's something wrong with the fact that you've stayed in a place for 12 years, that everything about you, so even like things like my age, my the fact that I'm, uh, you know, I'm a mother with children, I only see those as advantages mm, because I think they contribute hugely to what I bring to the workplace. Yeah. The fact that you've got a disability gives you such a different take on stuff. Mm, so, but if we people. think of those things mm. as disadvantages, they're mm. going to sound like disadvantages when we start talking about them. Exactly. Natasha, what would you say to someone listening who was in your position, but let's go back to being in their early 20s? You say it's a different landscape out mm. there now with going to interviews mm. and things. But how did you go from trying to make everyone else feel OK mm. to just going in as you and sort of being... That, but building, getting that confidence, was it just experience? Yeah, it's age as well. I think there comes a point, and I, I do say this to friends, if you've got, and this applies to everyone, not just people who did, but if you have something about you that you can't change, you can't diet it away, you can't take a pill, there's an operation, and that, that's not just about disability, that's about a range of stuff. You either learn to live with it and love it, because all you spend your life miserable being who you are. So I think it really came into my late 30s, maybe into my early 40s, where I was like, oh, God, I'm just so, I can't do this anymore. I, mm. I either love everything about myself and and say, and say to other people, this is me, you either like it, and if you don't like it, that's not a problem either. I, I actually have quite a thick skin, you have to. When you, have, you know, I've got very thick skin, so if people don't like me, I don't get out of my way to make people dislike me. But if they don't, 
that's fine too because not everyone's going to like you you know you're you're always going to get criticism from somewhere so you might as well just be yourself doing what you do that's so true I think also you can't make people like you no you can't. so what you can do is you can say this is me and there are certain things about me that I, I can't change as yeah. you said and if people don't like it it's their problem what, what you said about age though I think is perfectly true for everybody I mean mm. yeah there's a downsides to it you know the, the sagging and the gravity but but what it does is it makes you careless yeah and that's I I think what the when you're young you just want to be like yeah, everybody else everybody as you does. get older yeah. you realize the value of diversity yeah so Natasha how are you feeling about things then good going forward much better much better I think it's really um taught me to we look at how I talk about myself and the things that I say about myself. I don't tend to put myself down these days, but even the words I use when you pointed out that I said things a certain way to Ruth, and I just I will constantly check in in myself and go, no, like yeah. I can do this. I will, you know, and if I can get a couple of interviews under my belt as well, I think that would be really, That's really good. That's a good idea. That's something I think people don't ever take into consideration, almost going to job interviews for practice, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. I, I was working with somebody who worked for a very big organisation, was paid a decent salary, but wasn't getting the promotions that she wanted and was getting very bitter and twisted. And that's mm. what you've got to avoid. And I arranged for her to see somebody who uh, chooses people for jobs and to interview her and look at her CV. And she basically said to her, look, this CV is very good, your experience is good, you interview very well. I think you could get a job in most places. When she went back to the job that, that she was getting frustrated with, she actually felt a lot better. Mm. She saw it differently because she knew she could leave if she had to. Mm. But she wanted to stay because the salary was very good. So mm. I think just something like that can make you feel good about yourself. If you feel trapped, mm. you get much more frustrated. Yeah, and that's where I am at the moment. So, yeah. Well, thank you for, for coming in. Thank you very, very much. Your story. Thank you, it's been great. Thanks, Sue. You're welcome. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.